0: Hey there, Reese here. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Communication Breakdown. This week I'm talking with the English-German prog rock band Nectar. Founded in Hamburg, Germany over 50 years ago, this band introduced some of the most iconic prog rock albums into the scene. Albums such as A Tab in the Ocean, Journey to the Centre of the Eye, Recycled, Remember the Future, just to name a few. And even now, the band are still touring and forging new music together. The band joined me over Zoom to talk about their time on the prog rock scene. Enjoy. So, the the main sort of question to begin with is, um, how do um, two guys from Yorkshire and two guys from South England end up in Germany? Well, me and Ron were playing... Uh, with bands at that
1: time uh, on the, uh, well, first in in the EM clubs for uh, uh, American soldiers who were over there. And we ended up in Hamburg as our nest, if you like, at the Hotel Pacific in Hamburg. And we bunked down in the annex and we decided that we were going to play out uh, calling our guitarist had had enough, he wanted to go back to Europe. So Ron had been playing in the Star Club with Roy. So I sent him a telegram asking him if he wanted to come and join us, and he did.
2: A lot, a lot of stuff in between though. I mean, we- uh, <laughs> A
1: lot of stuff in between, I mean.
2: <laughs> we went to Istanbul and went into a hotel and and saying what we're we gonna do now. And um, said, so we don't know. Well, the uh, hotel manager kind of came running in the room Stood on top of the tea table in the middle of the room and started unscrewing the light bulbs. And we said, "What? What's happening here?" Uh, and he made like signs, going like that, boom, boom, boom. And what it was was uh, uh, Greece and Turkey were on the verge of war. But like Mo said, you know, we, you know, we did. We went. Uh, we ended up in in Germany, in Hamburg. But like there was a quite a few things happening in between, you know. We actually had uh, quite a good uh, couple of singles in, in Greece that went into the hit parade, you know.
0: And what name were you under at this point?
2: The Prophets.
0: Prophets. Yeah. The Prophets.
2: With a PH, not with an F. So we played a football stadium with like 80,000 people. And that was in 1960. odd, oh, and that was incredible doing that,
1: you know. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was Nico. Uh, Vangelis's brother put that on.
2: Yeah, and that's where we got to know Vangelis, too. It was a very uh, long story with Vangelis, too. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun
1: back there. We we played uh, we played a lot of theaters and a, and a lot of big 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 places in uh, in Greece. It was like being the Beatles. I mean, it was it was scary. They surrounded the car and the whole car's yeah.
2: rocking. Were rocking the car. They thought they were, yeah. we were the Beatles.
1: We we played the Star Club. We played the Top Ten Club. And then uh, when Roy came, we started going, doing single gigs.
2: That's when, that's when um, we started breaking out and doing concerts instead of clubs. Yeah. And and, and actually doing that gig exposed us to the concert scene because we'd never done it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was really good. I mean, you know, you say that whatever you did in your life makes you what you are today. And that's what made Nectar today because of all that experience all that just little things that didn't mean a lot at the time but when you put them together in a cake and you bake the cake it's, it's there it is that's the cake
0: so what kind of music were you all listening to at the time was it sort of soft machine and that sort of early sort of
2: we were we were actually when we were playing the clubs we were doing not really the top 10 but we were doing a lot of Beatles and a lot of American soul songs and stuff like that
0: so it was far from far from the nectar that we wouldn't recognize today right
2: absolutely uh, nectar was born in hamburg that's when we started doing the nectar thing anything before that we we would just do coffee songs we never had yeah, any we
1: it. did some of our own music um
2: oh yeah Missed
0: by a mile that
1: kind yeah, of yeah um what do you call that one that's on the sounds like this album that was from that them days what they call it was
0: it odyssey 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 yeah.
1: nice it was Odyssey yeah Odyssey we, we were playing already uh, a year before nectar and we we used to do that with Mick when Mick came to the camera club in Firth with his light show we, we used to do all that kind of stuff for him
0: right so do you think once you'd been to Greece and you'd toured a few clubs and things you knew this is what you wanted to do yeah I mean, we knew we wanted
1: to do our own thing. And uh, Colin decided to leave, so we asked Roy to join us, and from then on, it was we just knit really well. It, it was a good fit, and uh, and we uh, we never looked back after that.
0: There was an, I was reading an interview with Roy from 2012 where he said that uh, you guys were practicing in a club that was closed during the daytime. And uh, he, he came in, and then the next day you started making music together, and he just knew that you guys had something together creatively. Do oh, yeah. you think you felt the same thing? Yeah, the, the first
1: gig we did was at a place uh, just outside Hamburg, and we'd never played together. And we went on stage and jammed for about an hour and a half. We just did, do you know this one, bomb? Do you know that one, bomb? We would just play them, you know? And uh, when we uh, when we got off stage, we we decided before we went on stage that if we uh, if it went down well, we were going to call ourselves Nectar, and if we weren't, if it didn't go down well, we were going to call ourselves Pollen. Well, it went down really well, and we came off stage, and we decided to do Nectar with a K rather than with a C because it
0: looked better. It just right. looked better. It was a, a hard a K for rock, you know. So then how long was it between just touring clubs together and then actually getting signed we would, we were we got
1: signed in uh i think 1970 to uh, bestsellers records and that's when we did journey and that was already a year into us uh playing concerts around the country uh we we played all over in every corner of germany we played at that time and then
2: wherever we played it was sold out and yeah, people, yeah but outside around the block
1: yeah we, we i remember i remember playing a gig in in dussel Do- 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 we played a, a gig there and they wanted us to play for the gate for how much money you know you uh, they took in at the gate so we did and there wasn't that many people but we uh next time went back, went down there he absolutely wanted to pay us because it was packed you know as soon as somebody saw it saw us they wanted to hear more of it so right. that was very positive you know
0: so at this point was it were you doing songs from journey that you hadn't recorded yet?
1: um yeah we were doing we were doing parts of journey we put journey together we were doing the end pretty much all of journey before we had a con before we had a uh a record deal. Right. And and then we went in and did Journey at Dirk Studio in Stammeln, just outside Cologne in Germany. And uh, back then, they had no DBX. They had no Dolby. They had no sound suppression at all. So we had to play the whole thing at one time. So we played the entire 40 minutes at one shot. Right. Um, And then we went in. We only had eight-track tape. So we went in and overdubbed uh, everything, you know.
0: Right. And obviously, so Journey's quite a for, a, for a debut album, it's quite complex and quite, you know, even the, the sort of concept about, you know, uh, the astronaut who's on a voyage to Saturn and the, there's a galaxy with aliens. And it's very sort of ambitious for a first album. How, do you, how did you all sort of come up with, right, this is what we're going to sort of, Grab everyone with. Oh, I
1: guess we were all out there, you know.
3: <laughs> you know.
1: Were? Yeah, yeah, were. Well, maybe we still are. We just we've always thought out of the box. Everything we everything we've done has been not in the box at all. And uh, the journey developed over a period. It started off actually with astronauts' nightmare. That was the first thing we did. Right. Was astronauts' nightmare, and then it just developed. You know, from one jam to another jam. We saw Stockhausen in Germany and that's where the sounds come from. Uh, As I said,
0: we were out there, there's no doubt about that. And so you released um, Journey in Germany at the beginning. Was was that sort of your plan just to market to the German audiences that you already had? Or were, were you planning to go international?
1: the only market we had was Germany. I mean, we, we were playing out of Germany. The, the thing is about Germany, the, the rest of the uh, country, the rest of the uh, Europe, I, I don't know about over here, but it was all pop music. And Germany wasn't interested in pop music. They were interested in anything that was new, anything that never heard before, they wanted to hear. So it was a, a real nesting ground for us. Because we could play anything and they would love it.
0: Right. Um, very special place, Germany for music. Right. So do you think that because you had that sort of creative freedom to do whatever you wanted, you would go and do much more outlandish things and much more psychedelic things or strange things than you would have done if you were, you know, touring in, in Yorkshire, I guess.
1: Yeah. I I don't think uh, journey would have gone down well in Yorkshire at that time. (laughs) we were headlining uh, festivals and stuff like that, you know. And uh, uh, Peter Hauke saw us in Frankfurt and he said, are are you interested in in the record deal? I said, absolutely, we're interested in a record deal. So we made the deal and we went up to uh, Dear to to Deek's studio where we slept on the floor and we slept in the studio. And uh, we go into the house to eat, but we slept in the studio, right, Ron? Yeah. And, uh, and we did Journey, and that was, uh, that was pretty special. And then when we came to do the next uh, song, next piece, I think was Tab, right? Dieter just built a bigger studio, and we all played in these like cubicles, which was very different for us and uh, uh we decided that we wanted to we got so much music by that point that we wanted to get it on an album so that we could move on to do as it happens it was uh, remember the future but um so we we uh, went in the studio we, we uh we had i think we had a competition to to get people to come to the studio and we did two nights and we set up in the studio we set up like it was a concert with our with our speakers our vocal speakers everything and we did two nights of music we played for a couple of hours each night and uh, they recorded it and then we mixed it and they picked one night to do sounds like this that's basically why all that music got put on there we just wanted to put it out, wanted to get it out the way so we could write more music because we're getting backlogged, you know. Right. Um, and it went went down really well. I'll tell you a story about the cover as well that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you know the cover that's just come out, the anthology. That cover was actually supposed to be sounds like this. Right. We're yeah. on stage, that's actually a shot from, on, from us on stage that it developed into that picture. Right. Okay. And it was supposed to be sounds like this that that cover. And uh, Peter Hauke and Branko Sivanovic, who was the head of the uh, Bellaphon, decided that they wanted to continue with Elmo Ventska uh, as our artist. And we we liked Elmo. I mean, Elmo was a great guy. Still. So a he great. did
0: the cover for Journey and for Tab, right?
1: Yeah, he did Tab. He did Remember the Future. Did Sounds Like This. He did right. uh, Recycled. And okay. he's just done the new album, uh, The Other Side. Anyway, they called him up and they said, uh, we want you to do the do the new album. Um, and he said, okay, I can do that. They said, the only problem is we need it by tomorrow. <laughs> so he stayed up all night. And what you see on that cover, on Sounds Like This, he painted that overnight. Wow. Which is, I mean, it's amazing that he painted it at all. Yeah. But to paint it overnight like that, with, that, with all that stuff, and I don't know what he what was on, but I wish we could have had some of it at the time.
0: <laughs> the, the idea for Tab, um, I've, I've read, um, I think Roy said that it was, uh, you were all joking around of what would happen if the oceans were spiked with acid. That's basically where that came from.
1: He, most of the titles came from Mick, who was not with us. He's uh, he's uh, screaming uh, at his computer at home. Yeah, for sure. he, yeah, yeah. Mick came up with, with pretty much all the titles. Right. And we we were playing around with it. We were saying it's like we dro- you drop acid in the ocean, and uh, Mick came up with a tab in the ocean, and it it was great. It was it fit perfectly to what we were doing.
0: Hmm. so then was it the same sort of process of you would play the whole album start to finish or did you spend different time on different songs this time
1: um well pretty much i mean we would play the whole album every time we played but, we, but the pieces would be in a different order we used to open up a lot with uh with king of twilight right uh, and nowadays we open up with tab uh it gets all the dust off you know
4: for, for a concert, though, Tab is a great opening piece. It's got the, the fog horn in the beginning and the soft keyboards that come in and then the solo keyboards and the big kaboom, and then it's off like a horse. It gets us
3: ready yeah. for the rest of the show. It, it pumps us up, too. Pretty yeah. much, especially yeah. me. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you start the show, you and you all, you know, all by yeah. yourself. Which is so.
5: fun. It's fun. Well, with Mick, because I kind of look back and right. look at the waves that Mick's whatever's going on and it it, we're all together just on that
0: is Mick still doing the same light shows that he was doing back in the 70s he's
1: using some of the stuff from back then but it's all digital now right he's slowly during the tour that we just did we did 31 dates and by the time we got about halfway through uh, Mick had digitized everything with Jay so it's all digital now right um
4: but the concepts are the same.
1: The idea of the light show is to tell the story of what we're playing. So especially when we we're in Europe, you'd have all these different languages within a couple of hours, you know, you could be in Germany, you could be in France, you could be in Belgium and the light show give everybody an idea of what we we're singing about, mm. uh, even though they didn't speak the language.
0: Yeah. And I imagine that, I mean, I've never had the pleasure of seeing Nectar Live. Um, so I've, I can't imagine what it must be like to hear that sort of proggy, psychedelic music and see sort of what that sounds like on stage. Um, but I, I remember I was reading um, Nick Mason's autobiography recently from Pink Floyd. Um, and he was saying when they first started out, they had a, a light show. And uh, it was in a sort of underground London scene where people would sort of drop acid and then go and sort of trip out to Pink Floyd. Yeah, well, that um, light show was Mick. That was Mick. Yeah.
1: Was he the same? He, yeah, he used to he used to play in Middle Earth. He played at Middle Earth, and that became the Roundhouse in Dagenham. Right. Uh, yeah, he he would play with uh, with Floyd. I think Floyd were. Similar to us in a lot of ways. Um, I, they, they were out there. They were definitely out there. Was Sid Barrett was more than out there?
0: <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. When you're getting into this um, scene now in the early '70s, did you meet a lot of other prog bands at the time? Was there a sort of scene? Yeah, most most bands. It was. It's a very small scene. The the high end of the music business
1: is not a very big scene um, and we got to know most of the, most of the bands at the time you know uh, deep purple and uh, you know just lots of lots of bands that were out there you
4: guys were all like on the like I've seen a bunch of the ads and promotional pieces that from back in the day you guys did gigs with just about everybody right with well Zappa, Pretty obviously well. but yes and Genesis and yeah Pretty um, much. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else. You Rye Heap and Wishbone right. Ash.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, we played with a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, it
4: looked like that there were festivals, or you know, th- that you got you'd played with just about everybody at one point. It seemed. Pink Floyd. Yeah. I saw a couple of them. Right.
1: I would say the best, um, the best group we ever played with, who give us our freedom to do whatever we wanted. Was Frank Zappa. Yeah. Frank Zappa was awesome to play with. He he wasn't interested in cutting a light show down or cutting this down so that we wouldn't be as good. He wanted us to be as good as we could be, and I, I he had the right attitude uh, uh, to play with another
0: musician. He was he was awesome musician. Okay, so yeah, Randy. So you were a teenage Nectar fan, and then more you moved into his neighbourhood. Am I yeah. right? Oh, we were about three doors down from him.
1: Six, six
4: technically. Six
1: doors, six yeah. doors down. Yeah. We had this house on Fairmount Avenue and we used to play in the basement. It, it was me and, and Taff and Larry Fast rented a house together. And in the basement, we set all the gear up and everybody would come over and we'd play. Right. Um, that's where a lot of the music from uh, the other side was was made.
3: That's where we uh, did that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Rich. Uh, Rich used to come over quite a lot, and and we'd just
4: jam stuff. And then we'd go out and do a gig and jam stuff there as well. If I had only known that you guys were doing all that playing down there at that time, (laughs) myself and a a few of my friends, Tom was one of them, um, who said to say hello to everybody, by the way. And um, we were big fans of, of, of the group um i mean it's a long story of finding the records at the record store and you could really only get remember the future sounds like not sounds like this remember the future down to earth and recycled. the earlier ones were imports and we would put in requests to the record store owner back in 75 76 and they were our favorite group and one day we're driving down the road going from school back to home and there was Mo standing on a corner, <laughs> raking the leaves or doing whatever he would do in a domestic house. And we, we, I, you got to be fucking kidding me. If we were, we were too, we were too scared. I really regret that we didn't approach you guys. Yeah, we, we were very approachable. You've definitely, and, you de- and now that I know you, obviously, you guys would have gotten a kick out of us, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah we would. Um, so
0: how old were you at that, at that point, Randy?
4: I was 16 years old.
0: Wow. Sixteen and and seventeen, yeah. And you knew just from looking at Mo that he was Mo. He he was a pretty distinguishable character back in those days. What did you look uh, like then, Mo? Did you have a long mustache or a beard or?
4: Yeah,
1: I had like a, a zapper thing down nice. here, a little piece of here.
4: But you had shoulder hair length hair. The, well, the other thing was, is that the local radio stations that the, the New York radio station at the time, which used to play Nectar, had mentioned that they had moved to New Jersey. Right. To, I see. Um, so it wasn't completely, you know, from uh, from Hamburg, Germany to Chatham, New Jersey uh, is quite a quite a coincidence. There was I'm pretty sure there was some a little bit of knowledge from the media, a little bit that, that they had relocated to the States. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, wild.
0: And then Rich and Kendall, you guys had worked together before, right?
3: Yes. We were introduced as two people that should meet in the progressive world. So we met over this promoter's house and we got along. Uh, and I had a band in those days called, uh, Flying Dreams. And Kendall was part of Flying Dreams. Um, he played the, a place called The Cutting Room in New York City, which is a really cool place. And uh, Nectar came to see us uh, and met Kendall, and we joined. Yeah. But before that, Ronnie wanted to put a band together, right, Ronnie? You wanted to put uh, the band back together, so you called Mo, Mo called me, and then called Randy, and I called Kendall, and we got together, and we f- we were reformed.
1: Yeah, we, we, when we, when we, uh, I called Rich and me and Rich and Ron got together at uh, John's studio and I could tell pretty much instantly that it was going to work with the three of us. It was like moving back to 1978. It was great. And uh, we, we knew we, what we wanted to do. We knew that Mick was going to come back. I, we knew Randy was going to come in. So Randy came down and played. And then there was the four of us playing and it felt really good. And we didn't have a keyboard player. And uh, uh, I said to uh, uh, Rich, hey, Rich, what's your keyboard player like? And he said, he's really good. So I said, why don't you give him a call and see if he'll come and you know play with us. You were going to try to tell her that story. I sure
5: am. I was waiting <laughs> for this moment. <laughs> so they had been brewing this. i have been playing with Rich for like five years, and they had been brewing this, and I didn't know it. Rich had mentioned it every now and then. He said, just, you know. Uh, and Ron came to the Prague house, actually. Rich and I were doing a duo. That's right. Um, right? And that's yeah. the first time I, I met Ron. Um, I got off stage, and I go, oh, and there's Ron. And he said, hey... If, thinking of doing this would you want to do it and my words were are you effing kidding me so <laughs> <laughs> yes that's history i would i'd love to you know of course and he, he just said okay and disappeared i didn't see him for another wow. it was months these I think guys he, you, were you there randy too did you come I was. to that show? Yeah, oh, you I were there too to okay show, yeah it was and they they were i didn't do that trip Yeah. I didn't see you Mo. And, um, so anyway, we get, we fast forward months and months. I think it was January. Was it a January? Yeah. Um, yeah. Out of John's that suburbs quiet. I think it was a Sunday morning or Saturday morning, but it was quiet. And I packed all my gear into my SUV, all four keyboards speakers. I mean, packed. It's like, I'm going to (laughs) everything. So I, uh, I pull up, I find the address, pull everything out in the street, put my gloves on, I'm ready to, all right, I'm going to put this on a cart and pull it in. And uh, Marianne, who was- Marianne, come here for once. Yeah. She's right here. She, <laughs> she was taking care of a lot of the uh, logistics and coordination at the time, pops out of the door and says, oh, I'm- I'm so sorry. I should have told you, they won't be needing you anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> and closes yeah. the door. And this is in suburbia birds chirping, nothing else. And me standing in the middle of the street, with gloves on, tons of gear. <laughs> what the beep. And then they all came out and helped me they get everything. Out. We loved <laughs> him.
3: He, he fit in so great. You know, we just, uh, it completed. And the same thing actually, well, as
1: soon as he started playing we knew that he was the right guy for us oh he's great you know, it it just it felt good at every stage of writing the music of
0: playing the music of doing whatever we did it just felt great so how does it compare sort of growing up listening to a band and then becoming part of that band
5: i have to say something to that because um i've played in a lot of different situations i i, I this is sort of my favorite kind of music to play Um, it's got a little bit of everything experimentation and um, it's just open to doing what you want to do but Ron and Mo um, are the real deal and I I keep saying this they are the real deal as far as progressive rock goes they you could feel them you could you could feel 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 it I've played when you play in a cover band or a tribute band or you play with people who are playing music by someone else that's one thing but when you Play with the real thing the minute ron and mo started playing that there's a history how they grew up what how they learned to play what they listened to you know they have a different filter than somebody who just learned what they played so that was fantastic and i had played with rich already and randy had played this stuff or it was just a really great yeah really great great. feeling
3: and randy uh, brings a dimension with bass pedals yeah his bass playing it's a double bass and a 12 string guitar that it adds a whole different edge even with the uh the original nectar music written back in the day uh he brings a different dimension to it which is really yeah. good i so agree
1: I, I i used to have bass pedals i used to play bass pedals um but once i heard uh, randy doing what he did I don't need to buy any bass pedals (laughs) we'll use. (laughs) (laughs) One set for this band is enough. The same thing when we're playing music with two bass players, you would think you would have to work out what you're playing. You know, okay, I'm going to play this part. You're going to play that part. But it's not like that at all. We just play and we blend in with each other. We know he's going low, I'm going high. He's going, I'm going low, he's going high. You know, uh, he knows when to play when when he went to bring out the twelve string, and he'll play that with the pedals. We we have no shortage of bass. <laughs>
4: that is that is for sure. <laughs> Definitely very
1: strong bass. And of course, Ron, Ron needs two bass players. You know. Oh,
3: he does.
2: <laughs> He's the best. And Kendall, that special K that Kendall has.
0: Oh, like <laughs> hello <laughs> special K. He has that. <laughs> he does.
3: Reese, yeah. are, are you
4: are you a musician, Reese?
0: I am. Yeah, I, uh, I've I've played the piano since I was a kid. Okay. Um, but I've in in this lockdown, I've just taken up the guitar. Me and my friend are learning how to play guitar. Okay. And um, cool. I've I've just finished learning how to play the twelve bar blues this oh, week. Oh, There you go. So I'm making. Pro- so watch out, Nectar. I'll be I'll be coming for you next time. <laughs> well,
4: the the reason that I asked is that the, 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 all of us have played in different bands through the years. And you get together with a group of people and you play, and 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 sometimes if you if you're playing cover songs, you know you follow the script. It just goes along, and and if you do some improvisation, the point I'm getting to is that sometimes you play with people and you play and you do, and it's a job and it's a gig and boom and off you go. And then when you play with other people, sometimes it's like you don't have to think about it. You're not in your body, and it just there's there's a vibe there's a groove and uh, it just it it's you know they say it's magic that's cliche but uh it's
3: true but it is magic magic.
4: and 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 this group has got that um you can't quantify it uh you know you try and try and try but i played in a million bands where it's like all right thanks for the gig see you later if you never see him again that's okay but but with this group this ensemble here there, everybody's got a part, everybody's got a thing, and it's the same goal, but there's definitely an, an energy um, to it that that's, to me, not really definable. So, um, and re- every time we're done, we look at each other and go, what the fuck was that, you know? So- Well,
5: the songs are 20 minutes long, so when we go in, you know, it's goodbye, and then when we come out, it's, you know. <laughs>
1: you're- well, I, I, think, I think a lot of it is, uh, the freedom to play um we don't tie anybody down to playing anything particular we've got a framework but we've got within that framework you're you're allowed to jam or do whatever you want to do and so every night it's a little bit different you know we we play once we play a song might be 20 minutes one night maybe 25 minutes the next night
0: yeah you know
1: um and it just the time goes by. We were doing two hour, two hour and twenty minute sets.
3: Yes, no break.
1: Two hours yes. and twenty minutes, straight like through. Yes. No
0: time for a pee, nothing. <laughs> it's quite interesting to hear that you know you guys sort of started out with that sort of, you know, you guys and Roy all came together with this sort of instantaneous. You knew that you had this creative energy, and now a completely different you know group of people and you've got the same sort of energy that's really incredible to hear that incredible it's, it's still beautiful, there
3: beautiful thing to, to yeah, have I, found I, this. i think so
0: i i think it's
1: you expect it to be once in a lifetime you get that band together but we hit on that magic twice where we are definitely uh definitely right there
3: and you see with mick too um he is really part of it. I mean I, I was doing a guitar solo in the studio and I was going down in one part and he said, Stop me. He said, You can't go down. The lights are are going up yeah. in that part. Yeah. And I'm there like what's, what's um,
4: on stage it's actually uh very anticlimactic because it, well, because you you're concentrating on music and everything else is behind you. So it you also, can't see. It. You can't It's see only it. once in a while you you yeah. get to, to you look back You go, oh, there's a big, yeah, you can. big ship going
0: up and down the thing. The worst thing about being in Nectar is you can't go and see a Nectar game.
5: Yeah. see no. the show. Right. <laughs>
3: I had no idea that stuff's going on behind us. <laughs> and we
4: got we got on the we were on a tour bus and we finally hooked up the laptop to the little DVD player that they had in the uh, on on the bus. And and when we finally got it all hooked up and and saw the show with the music, you know, saw what we looked like, we all of us were like, holy oh, yeah. shit, look at that, my god! <laughs> and he's he's not just throwing up a bunch of psychedelic lights. He's got he's got little foot pedals so the films that go along. If we extend a piece, he brings it back so it all lines up. Oh no, um,
5: he's serious. He's, a serious- he's mm-hmm.
4: dead. Fucking serious about the light show. It's amazing.
5: I face. I face center stage, so I can see a lot of the, you, you know, get to see it. Yeah. I get to see what's yeah. going on. Sometimes it's just too big or, or blurry because it's so close, but there's times I'll look back and go, whoa, <laughs> what was, you know, what was in Mick's brain? You know, yeah. But it's amazing. Amazing.
0: Yeah. I'll definitely have to see it once, uh, once we're out of this lockdown. Yeah. Because I know as you guys, did you guys pause your tour? Were you guys in the middle of a tour? We just finished. You just Where? finished.
5: Just finished a leg, came back Mark. and had to sit still. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, should- we did we did thirty one dates. And we we're supposed to come back, take a month off, and then we we're gonna do another eight or ten gigs on the east coast. And then in June, which is now, we're supposed to be on the west coast doing another thirty odd gigs. Um
0: and that all got cancelled because of this COVID thing. Um uh, Derek, I, I saw a comment on the website where someone was asking about a European tour possibility and uh, you said something like uh, we're currently fighting with a German band who stole our name um, t- and they're called New Nectar um, and there's some sort of offspring of Nectar that I think Roy and Ron have both worked with at one point uh, Roy and Ron worked with
1: uh, Klaus Henach, who's the who was the keyboard player, but he just, he was just a side man. Right. And uh, he, him and his manager stole the name. Um, they told Ron, uh, that he was going to basically listen to what Klaus Enarch had to say. And that's the direction that we're going to take. And Ron said, no way. I'm, I'm an original member. I don't want to do that. So he left and we put this band together. And meanwhile, they went to the, the, uh, trademark, uh, office, in Germany and registered the name. And we've been fighting this now for about going on for a year. And I I think it's going to, it may take another year before we can get our name back, but we, we can use our name Nectar in, uh, Europe. We just can't
0: use the name Nectar in Germany. Um, it's kind of incredible that you guys started out as Nectar in Germany. And now that's the only place that you can't be Nectar.
3: It's frightening. Yeah,
0: it really sucks. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, you know, you've got to play the game and we want to go back to Germany. And if that's how we've got to do it, we've just got to, we've just got to go back big with this
0: new concept. So this, this is sort of a, an album composed of old ideas from back in the day of Nectar. But with, obviously, the new guys, uh, Rich, Kendall, Randy, putting their input into it as well. So it's sort of got old and new. And obviously, we've got, I'm guessing this, I don't know how you record an album, but I'm guessing that it's changed quite significantly from back when you did Journey.
3: Not for this one. This one we recorded in a real studio. Um, I used all... Analog gear. We all used analog gear. It was recorded digitally, but all analog So it was just a big studio. It wasn't file sharing. It was just Set up real drums. Ron had a big setup Big drum room beautiful new studio or old studio and we rocked it out the old way We did some songs in one take and we kept them We kept them uh, solos and everything the only thing we overdubbed and Mo will tell you were some vocals maybe some keys and stuff like that Ronnie was uh, one take on a lot of songs yeah. one take Ronnie
1: yeah he had, he, he had this DW kit that was just awesome sound and he took the whole studio big like almost like a big church uh, feeling and all our gear was in little rooms and we were playing live the the whole album was played live live if if you've heard the album right
0: yeah yeah yeah, of course
1: if you if you listen to drifting drifting was one take and the only thing we added was the vocal and the piano under the vocal everything else was live right um all the uh every song that we did uh as the basic tracks are all live and i think that's what gives it it is feel plus the the fact that we're doing music that was done in 1978, it's got that old feel. It's like putting a pair of slippers on, you know, the the one forever,
5: Uh, it just feels great. Plus these guys, Mo and Ron kept impressing that all the other records, they went away and did, you know, they went to, a. that's what they did for however long it took to record that record. So now with all of us, Having separate lives and getting together when we could, especially weekends every every weekend, religiously. <laughs> when we went to the studio, we rented a house down near the studio, down on the shore, and everybody was together. I was kind of running around because I had some other um, technical stuff to do. But um, basically, everybody was in that house for the amount of time. Well, how long was that? Two weeks. Two, two weeks
1: th- the first time. Two weeks.
5: I
0: think about twelve days the second time. It definitely has the sound of a a '70s Nectar album.
4: Yeah, everybody everybody says that. That's I find that I find but, that interesting
0: actually. But I mean, it must be kind of surreal to, to have sort of listened to those albums early on for uh, you know Rich and Kendall and and for Randy as well, and now you're sort of seamlessly integrated into one of them. Yes.
3: No. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah and you know e- even playing even and for my part to 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 front it to sing and to play basically like roy um is I- it wasn't easy you know you you had a I, w- I always said and it was a running thing in the band that roy sit with us saying that's right that's wrong and we really believe that his spirit is with us always to like look over us and to give us his blessing and to go that way and it uh It worked out it it, it's not a fake thing it's a real it's just a real experience um and it feels great i know kendall has to feel great with it too
5: yeah this is it this is it i think i've told mo that this is what i've always wanted to do and that's that you know it's my favorite music to participate in write play with guys from the, the the actual help create progressive rock it's a small Small group, really, when you yeah. look at it, you know, uh, especially English. I still call it English. I know you're from <laughs> Germany, but it's, you know, um, you guys were fathers of this. So in, in my mind, I think uh,
1: as much as I enjoyed doing magic as a child, um, I think that this album, The Other Side, is a good follow-up to Recycled. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a next step if you like. Right. Because I think
0: uh, for, for me anyway, the, the latter half of Recycled is quite sort of jazzy and funky. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a bit of a different uh, step from Tab or from uh, Journey. Um, so I guess I just want to ask all of you really, what is your favorite little slice of nectar? For me, each album, each album rec-
1: represents where we were at that time. And I, I see them all as being Nectar. Uh, nectar is a very varied palette. We can mm-hmm. go on stage. We, we'll pick sets. We, we have about uh, three hours to choose from right now. and We're going to be working on other stuff for when we go out. But you'd be amazed at all the stuff. I mean, what do you guys think? What's your favorite
5: thing? I really, I loved opening with recycled. That's a big I mean, there's so much material and it's very, it's a wide variety, like you said, some funky groovy stuff and then some spacey stuff and some really um, almost classical stuff. So there's a lot there, but I I love playing recycled. I also, on the other side, I love playing uh, drifting because I just I love watching the whole band concentrating on the time.
0: <laughs> the
5: floating, you know, when we play it live and the floating quality of it, you know. Right. So those are my two opposing favorites to play.
2: I like Recycled, second second side. I mean, we we do the first side now, but uh, I really like the second side. I thought it brought out a side of Nectar funkier as you said. I
4: like Recycled, but I really like Remember the Future. Uh, Day in the Life of a Preacher is great. One, two, three, four is a great song. Odyssey for bass player is, is Jazz City. Um, it, it's really hard to, to narrow it down. Uh, I like uh, the other side and Skyrider now are pretty cool tunes. Um, it's it, I'm not gonna. It's hard to say like which is my favorite. If you put, put a gun to my head, Day in the Life of a Preacher is my favorite Dexter song.
1: Well, as you just said, Randy, it's, there's so much to play that you like. Right. You know, you can't put it into one song. You've got to, you've got to spread it around. Yes. It's, it's, I, I, I love "Marvelous Moses" from. Uh, yeah,
4: that too. Yeah, great
1: yeah. song. But uh, we haven't got round to doing it yet. But we will. Yeah, we will.
3: We will. We will. Mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, as for me, of course, like a new record because you know. it was 40 years and put it together that we waited we wrote it back in those days and then we with the new band we put it together here that's why i love that but i love playing all the epics i love remember the future recycle tab and i have great fun playing and singing uh, good
0: day i just wanted to ask about good day actually is it true that good day was written way before a lot of the other stuff before you recorded it oh yeah yeah, yeah. Good Day was the first song we did. First song yeah, we ever did.
2: Right, was when we were living in a place called Zollenspeaker.
1: Yeah, Zollenspeaker, Yeah, love it. That's where we did the Good Day film. It was a, uh, it was a uh, camp for boys and girls where they went out there, and on a on a weekend we was gone playing, and uh, so it didn't matter. But I think they only came out there on weekends, and we were there during the week, um, living
2: on potatoes we do a little show for them every other weekend if we
0: weren't playing derek um i heard you say once in an interview um it's very hard to put nectar in a box we cover the spectrum we get labeled prog we've got a lot of different time signatures but i guess the question is how would you describe nectar
1: well, nectar is very freeform. it's uh it's whatever's happening in our heads at the time it's not uh, we didn't see that every album was different we just saw that that's what we were doing at the time that's why i said that i like every album because in that time that's where our heads were at so i don't think that we have a, a specific groove it's uh, it's a nectar groove it's it's how we feel i mean you listen to you listen to all the different different things we play in uh, uh the other side it, it goes right from one end uh with I'm on fire which is very rocky to uh, drifting which is uh in uh, uh five four 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 or nine eight, um which is which makes it drift because it's uh, it's not it, it's very hard to tap your foot to it let me put it that way <laughs> um so I I don't I wouldn't like to try and put it in a box. I would rather call it Nectar music. If we, if we put ourselves in a box, then people expect us to do that kind of stuff. Mm. And the way we are now, it's, it's always gonna have a melody. It's not gonna be mon- monotonous, not gonna be monotone, not gonna be everything in 4-4. It's gonna be different in that way. But we're gonna do it how we feel it works. I, I like to play something that's going to jerk somebody out of the seat, and they're going to go, "Wha?" You know, yeah, and the way you do that is is write the music uh, to be somewhat unexpected.
5: And Prague just leaves you uh, wider parameters when you put it in that box and say, "Oh well, it's Prague." You know, um, there's freedom. You're not limited by certain things as, as, if you were to call it smart pop or pop or something. So it, it is just plain good music, but Prague to me is just music that takes advantage of the technological um, advantages that are around at the time, makes use of them a little on the cutting edge, but without boundaries, because there's a lot of Prague now that's actually mimicking itself. A lot of people are bringing back some of the cliche stuff, but that's not what Nectar is doing. Um, it's not what a lot of the good bands are doing. They're playing their older material, but their new stuff, you know, they've grown. Technology is different. They're, they're getting new sounds and moving forward. So, And that was a whole thing, being in front of things. Sometimes Nectar was very groovy and rock, funky, you know. Great, you know, almost like, well, that's a rock band. And then they break off into five, four, or something, you know, or or stops or, or superimposing right. things. And it's just something. And, that it, some and that's the magic of it, yeah. you know.
1: The Beatles have made it happen. The Beatles were the ones that made it popular to be writing your own music. Before them, there was nobody writing their own music. And, and bringing back to today, now Nick Mason's out with his saucer, saucer Full of Secrets uh, band, who had who played some of the very early Floyd, which I find, which I find really interesting. Really think.
3: inspiring stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Very inspiring. I mean, the the guy, when we played uh, the Town Hall in New York, we played in 2003, I think it was, and uh, Nick Mason came to see the show. So they're they're uh, Floyd uh, uh, fans of ours and we' are fans of theirs. I mean it's the the music is is an extension of your life. you know you you, uh, you want to have you want have something with melody and you want to have something that's a little bit off tilt and a little bit different time signature and it's it's going to float and it's going to join together in an unusual way. and it, it just feels good to play. and that's that's really where we are coming from.
0: It's all ready to go, man. Fantastic, yeah. If you want, if you guys want to write me a a beautiful new album just off the cuff, go for it.
5: Here we go. <laughs> Challenge accepted.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been really wonderful talking to you guys. Thank uh, you. Thanks so much for taking the time. No problem, man. Okay, Reese. Thank okay. you. Keep yourself safe. All right, everybody. Bye,
1: candle.
0: Bye, everybody. Bye, Mo. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Communication Breakdown. I just want to thank my guests today, Nectar, and my wonderful camera assistant, Benjamin Freedley. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. And join us for next week's episode, where we'll be talking to Martin Turner, ex wishbone Ash. Hopefully we'll see you then.
5: Goodbye.